Good morning. It's great to have you here. We're in the middle of a sermon series called Breaker Downer, which is kind of a take on the HGTV series uh, Fixer Upper. We're talking about breaking down those walls, those barriers, those things in our life, those obstacles that can stand in our way from achieving all the things that God would have for us. Well, today's lesson, the next step, is, is that we need to surround ourselves with the right people, which is the perfect lesson for our All In Sunday. I, I think we would all agree that Joshua was a great leader. He had all a, a, a wonderful resume. He had been one of the spies that had gone into Canaan originally. He came back with a good report. We can handle this. With God on our side, we can defeat the enemy. Also in that crowd was Caleb, the other good spy that, that came back with Joshua with the good report. He was there as well. Last week, we, we noticed how in that crowd were those priests that were carrying the Ark of the Covenant. They were there. So those are all pretty good resumes of, of, of what's going to happen. But the point, the point, the point for today is as good a leader as Joshua was and as great a spy as Caleb was and as holy as those priests may have been or the regular soldiers ready, none of them could have defeated Jericho all on their own. Of course, they needed God's working. It was God's battle plan. But on their own, they couldn't have defeated. They needed, each, they needed one another and each other for them to receive victory. And that's really the big point for, for our day as we, as we talk about our personal Jerichos in our life. If we want to see victory, we need to be surrounded by the right people and how we need everybody. We need youngest worshipers and we need our oldest worshipers and we need our youth and we need everybody. All on the same page, all moving forward in the same direction. We need each other. That's one of the reasons why we have these matching t-shirts it's just, it's saying this is our mission, our plan. We want to see God work and his will done and his kingdom come in Flint as it is in heaven. And so when you wear these t-shirts out and someone says, what in the world does that mean? In Flint, dot, dot, dot. And you can tell them, say, well, that, what that means is we really believe that God's kingdom can be built and God's will can be done right here in Flint as it is in heaven. This is kind of Genesee County right there. You can say not just Flint, but all of Genesee County. That's our plan. That's our desire. We want to see God do that. We even have, have, maybe you've got a car magnet today or a sticker, and so stick that on your car or, or, or wherever. But if you do that, please don't drive like me. Because, you know, we want to have a good word in the community. And so don't drive. Who are those inflict people? They're terrible drivers. Don't let that be said. So you, we wear this, and we represent not only our church, but really our vision of what God can do in the midst. I remember when I lived in Kansas City, I've always been a Tiger fan, and so, but when I lived in Kansas City for those nine years, I would go to as many Detroit Tiger baseball games as I could when they were in town playing the Royals. And people knew that I was a Tiger fan, so if they had season tickets frequently, they would, they would give me tickets and say, here, Rob, I, I don't care about going to the, see the Royals, heck, my tickets, and so, so I would go. And those days, it was a lot of fun because the Tigers were really, really good, and for most of those years that I was there, the Royals were really, really bad. And so it was, it was great, and I'd get my tiger gear on, and I'd have my tiger hat, my tiger shirt. And one year, one year the Tigers played nine times in Kansas City, and I went to all nine games, and which, which really thrilled Carla. And so I would have my tiger hat on, my tiger shirt on, she would have a book, and we would go off to the game. <laughs> you think I'm kidding, I'm not. And, and, and whenever we would walk in the corridors... Because again, those years of Royals were terrible. And when we'd walk in, there'd be a lot of Tiger fans there and they'd have on their Tiger gear, Tiger hat, Tiger shirt. We'd say, hey, Tigers, woo! You know, we were like, we were brothers. We didn't know each other, but we were all, all in this thing together. 
One time, a guy who attended our church, he worked for the Royals, and so he got me the owner's seats right behind home plate. I, I sat in the old David Glass's seats behind home plate. But he told me, he said, well, you can have these tickets, they're great seats, but you can't wear your tiger gear. He says, you can't wear the tiger gear sitting in the owner of the royal seats. And so I said, I can't wear my tiger gear? He said, no, you can't wear it. I said, all right, I won't, you know, okay, okay, okay. So no tiger hat, no tiger shirt. I had a tiger undershirt on. <laughs> they were close to my heart. Why do I tell you that? That's what, we're, that's what this is all about. That's what this day is all about. It's reminding us that we are in this together. We really do want to see God's kingdom come, his will done in Flint as it is in heaven. That, 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 that we need to surround ourselves with like-minded people, people who really believe that God can do miracles. People that, that, that really believe that, that Flint is not a done, that God is not done with Flint or with Genesee County, that, that, that God has great plans for this city and for our county. And, and you know, when you travel around, if you're like me, you travel around, and people, you, you tell them where you're from. And maybe you live in Grand Blanc or Davison or, or Fenton or Flushing or wherever, but you say, you know, because people don't know, you know, Grand Blanc or Davison or Fenton or Flushing, they know Flint. And you say, oh, I'm from Flint. And you know the response. You've all had it. Oh. Yeah, yeah, how's the water? You know, can you drink the water yet? That always happens. But what we're saying is that we believe that God Almighty can do a work in our city like, like never before seen. That God himself, the God, <laughs> the God of the universe, loves this city I believe, I really believe, that if Jesus were walking the earth like he walked uh, uh, 2,000 years ago, he would not abandon Flint. I, in fact, I think he'd be in Flint a lot because he went to places where they were hurting, where people were struggling. And when he taught his disciples to pray that there, his will would be done and his kingdom would come on earth as it is in heaven, I think he was thinking about places like Flint places where the glory of God is not done and where God's glory can come. And so that's why, we're, that's why we do all of the things that we do. And that's why we do like Angel Tree and, and work at Dillon and team up with the Boys and Girls Club and, and team up with our neighbors next door, the Church of Christ, not just for, for Trunk or Treat, but for, for the, his ministry, which they house a food pantry. And why we do all these things, why? Because we really believe that God loves Flint. And God wants to see his kingdom come and his will done right here in Flint as it is in heaven. And so, 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 if we're going to overcome that giant wall, we got to be it together. And so that's where, where we're at today. If we want to overcome even the personal Jerichos in our life, success comes when we surround ourselves with the right people. We need each other. That's the point. And let me tell you why. There's strength in numbers. That's number one. Whenever you are in a battle, there's always strength in numbers. We all know that. In the Old Testament, on several occasions, God told the, the people of Israel to count how many people they had and, and to just see how many troops, how many soldiers. In the book of Numbers, which is appropriately named because they take a couple of census in the book of Numbers, God told Moses this, take a census of the whole Israelite community by their clans and families, listing every man by name, one by one, you and Aaron are to count according to their divisions of all the men in Israel and they, who are 20 years old or more to serve in the army. 
Later in Numbers 26, God had them take a second census. And that was to not only know how many troops they had, but also how they were going to eventually divide up uh, Canaan, the promised land, once they, once they got in. And in Numbers 26, 51, it tells us that when they got all done with the counting, there was 601,730 troops. 601,730 troops. That's a big army. That's a lot of soldiers. Listen, we're part of a big army too. Not, not just us here, not just Flint Central Church, which is a big army for, for, for all of Flint. But we're part of you, depending on what statistic you, you read, we're part of an army two billion strong. There are two billion people who claim to be Christians in the world today. Now you can say, well, they're not our brand of Christian, whatever. Who cares about that? Two, million, two billion people would say that they are a follower of Jesus Christ in the world today. But just like when a sheep wanders off from, from the flock or when a sheep gets away from the shepherd, that's when the enemy, that's when they're vulnerable. That's when the enemy can, 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 can attack and when, when they're easy to pick off. Make no mistake, the, the devil wants nothing more for Christians to kind of wander off on their own. Peter reminds us, be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. How true that verse is. That verse doesn't say that the enemy attacks when they're, in a, when they're in a group. Notice, it doesn't say when they're all in their flock, that's when the enemy will swoop in and kind of rip them all apart. That's not what it says. But, but it's singular, when someone, he's looking for someone, one, 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 when there's just one, kind of off on their own. They've got their feelings hurt. They, they decided they didn't need, you know, they can be a good Christian without going to church. They, they didn't need that. That's when the enemy swoops in. Just this week, I was talking to an individual about someone who used to be super involved. They went on mission trips, and they were super involved, and something happened, and they got their feelings hurt, and they became negative about this and that, and pretty soon they were negative about everything, and, and then they, you know, started missing, 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 and, and now their relative told me, and now they, they never go to church. They're never there, and they were so heartbroken, Listen, the enemy wants to separate you. He wants you to get you away from the flock. He wants you to draw you away from church, draw you away from Jesus. He'll do anything he can to do that. He has very bad intentions. You think, well, that's kind of extreme, Pastor. Well, Jesus, Jesus in John 10 said the enemy's plans are this, to steal, kill, and destroy. He wants to steal your joy. He wants to kill your hopes. He wants to destroy your eternal future. Make no mistake. That's what the enemy wants. Could you imagine if one of those soldiers marching around Jericho, say on, say on day seven, they're marching around seven times. What if after the third lap, he said, oh, my feet are killing me. I don't, I, fellas, I'm gonna go back to camp. I'm gonna get a sandwich. I'm gonna count my goats. I'm not gonna march anymore. And if he would have done that, he would have missed the glory of what God was doing in the midst of there. No, we need to be surrounded by the right people who, will, who are also not only the right people, but also those that, that have the same common values, goals. See, a force that has the same goal, the same purpose in Flint as it is in heaven. Tough to beat. The Israelite troops, they, we told you they had strength in number, 601,730 troops. But those, those soldiers, those priests who were marching around, they also had a common purpose. God had given them the plans, the marching orders. They knew what it was going to take once a day for six days, seventh day, seven times around. God had plans for them. And just as those Israelite soldiers were united in their purpose with the same mission, the same, the same task, when we want to face our personal Jerichos, 
We need dedicated people in our corner who will help us overcome all those people. We don't need 601, 730 troops by our side, but we need, we need some, some folks, common purpose, common goals, common mission. All God needed in the upper room was 120 people, right? Flip the world upside down. We got way more than 120 people in here. We're not trying to flip the whole world upside down. We just wanna see God's kingdom come and his will done in Genesee County. We can, we can do that. You remember, do you remember when, when Gideon was gonna fight the Midianites? You remember that story. Gideon was gonna fight the Midianites and there were, he had 32,000 troops and God started whittling them away, whittle, 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 whittle away until eventually there was just 300 troops. And the, and the reason for that, God was saying, listen, I don't want you, Gideon, to think that it was because of your soldiers and your might that you defeated the Midianites. I want you to know that it was because of me and my might that you defeated the Midianites. And so the, the final qualification for the troops, do you remember what it was? He had them drink water, and if they lapped up water like a dog, then they were gone. If they cupped the water in their hands, then they could stay. There was 300 that did that. And we think, well, that's kind of a weird way to determine if, whether you are a good soldier or not, if you're lapping water like a dog or whether you're cupping it in your hands. But maybe it's not so weird, because when you're lapping it up like a dog, all you're doing is focused on the water. I mean, you can't do anything else. Your face is right down in the water. But when you cup the water with your hands and you bring it up, you're still alert. You can still see what's going on. You can drink it and still be ready to fight if you need to. See, I'd rather have 300 people who are committed to Jesus Christ, 300 people who are saying, man, we are all in. We want to see that. We've got more than 300 here. Than than, than 32,000 that are only concerned about themselves and 32,000 who are only thinking about the, the water that's right in front of them. See, I'd rather have a few people who say, I am all in with Jesus Christ. I want to see God work. I want to see his kingdom come. I want to see his, his building done. There are so many people around us that are only focused on themselves. And they serve phony gods. God of money, God of fashion, God of drugs or alcohol, God of ambition, God of self. That's the wrong crowd. We need, we need to be around those who are like-minded, who want to see God work, who want to see God work in our lives personally, and want to see God work in our community. The Bible says this, don't be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. And how true that is. You hang around people who are always negative, guess what, you'll become negative. You hang around, around people, if you're married, you hang around other married couples who are negative towards each other, who, who uh, are tearing each other down, who, who talk about getting a divorce every other day. Pretty soon, you're gonna be in that same mindset. You hang out with friends who, who, who go to bars all hours of the night and gossip or sleep around or do whatever. Pretty soon, you're gonna be in that same mindset. It's better to have a few friends who, who, who are Jesus-focused, Ones who will remind you of the godly ways and godly things, who encourage you to follow after Jesus, than to have all these other friends who are leading you down the wrong path. In John chapter six, Jesus, um, Jesus was, was, was super popular because he had fed the 5,000, turned water into wine, and, and so Jesus was, was, had a huge crowd. But then he started talking about the nitty gritties of what it means to really be in service to him. And John chapter six tells us that a lot of these people started, started turning their back and going away. In fact, this is what John says. From this time on, many disciples turned back and no longer followed him. And then Jesus turned to the 12 disciples and said this, you don't want to leave too, do you? And Simon Peter, all right, Simon Peter, said, Lord, to whom shall we go? 
You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of Israel, the Holy One of God. Jesus had a lot of followers when he was feeding them 5,000, when he was turning the water into wine, when he was doing all that, when they got free stuff, not free t-shirts, but you know. But he only had a handful when, it was set, when he went to the cross. In your current struggle, whatever that wall is, whatever that personal Jericho you're facing, you need true friends that will stick by your side, whether you're on the mountain or in the trenches. You need, you need true friends who will speak truth and life into you like Jesus was doing for those disciples. Not who tell you what you want to hear. We don't need friends who are like, you know, the wicked witch's mirror, you know, mirror, mirror, tell you, oh, you're the fairest of them all. We don't, need, we don't need friends that'll just tell us what we need or what we want to hear. We need Jesus telling us what we need to hear. We need friends who will, who will tell us what we need to hear. How do you overcome the obstacles in your life? Well, you, you be with fellow believers. You, you, you stick with a, uh, this force that has a common goal, common, common faith, common heart, who will speak the truth into you. And you have some, some friends, how can I say it, who are seasoned in the Christian faith. Some veterans. You need some veterans in your life. Uh, veteran Christians. I imagine after that day's lap around Jericho, maybe day two, day three, you know, Joshua and Caleb are there. They were the old timers. They're the only ones who, who had been in the wilderness that got allowed to go into the promised land because of the bad report that the others had, had said. And so I can just imagine them after day two, sitting around the campfire, Caleb and, and Joshua, and regaling the rest with all the tales of how God had worked in the past. Maybe telling them about some of the stories that are earlier in the Bible, like in Exodus 17 when they, when they went up against the Amalekites. And just picture Joshua sitting there and said, oh, boys, whoo, let me tell you about those Amalekites. They were, they were tough. Oh, my goodness, they were so... And Moses, Moses, he came to me and he said, said, Joshua, I want you to get some boys and you go out there and fight them Amalekites. And I thought, Moses, how in the world am I going to fight them Amalekites? They're tough. Moses says, oh, I got this one. And Moses went up on a big hill, and when we were fighting, he would, he would stand up, boys, and with his staff raised towards heaven. And whenever his arm was up there, man, we were, we were whooping those Amalekites. We were, we, were, we, were, we were taking them all down. But, you know, Moses was old. He was over 80 years old at the time, and, man, he got tired. And so his arm went down. When his arm went down, oh, those Amalekites, they started whooping us. And so Aaron, his brother, and another guy named Hur, they went up to, to Moses, standing up on that, on that hill, and they lifted his arms up. And when his arms were lifted up, then we started taking, taking names against those Amalekites again. Boys, I want you to know that God was with us then. He'll be with us now. You just wait to see what God's going to do. See, we need people like that in our lives. People who are seasoned Christians in our life. That's why this growing together is so important. We need our senior adults reminding our younger adults and teenagers how God has worked in the past and how God will work in the future. We need some people who will be, who will be there for one another and say, listen, God was there. I've, I've been where you've been. I've, I've had those same things happen to me. And this is what God did then. And I'm sure God will do this for you too. We all need, we all need someone like that in our lives. For me, Dr. Anthony has been that way in my life. You know, Dr. It's always good having a, a district superintendent, you know, kind of, kind of around. And so, and 
He's been, he's been in, ever since I've been your pastor, six years now, he's been an encourager to me. He's helped me. Believe, oh, we've got a great church. We love this church. But every now and then there's a booger that gets in. <laughs> you know, I wish I could tell you otherwise, but you know, every now and then, you know, the pastor does this, preaches too long, preaches this, blah, 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 blah. And every time, Dr. Anthony has been that one for me who has just, you know, encouraged me and helped me and strengthened me and said, go get them. You need that in your life. Every Timothy, younger believer, every Timothy needs a Paul, older believer. Every Paul needs an older believer, needs a Timothy that they can invest in. And all of us need a Barnabas, you know, Barnabas, son of encouragement. All of us need some encouragers who will say, keep going, keep going, keep going. You got this, you can do this. But that's what we're talking about here. We need each other. How are we gonna overcome the personal Jerichos of our life? We need to remember that we're part of a big family. We need to remember that, that we're on the same page. And we need to have some younger uh, uh, followers and older followers in our circle those that we're investing in, like Paul did for Timothy, and those who we can invest in, like Timothy had in Paul. And all of us need a Barnabas. Lastly, we're fourth on this. We need to know, we, we need to be surrounded by great friends, like-minded people, on the same page, seasoned veterans, because the enemy doesn't quit. I wish I could tell you that when you become a follower of Jesus, our enemy says, whoo, hands off, can't touch him anymore. This doesn't work that way. You know it. Listen, Jesus was tempted and so will you. And our enemy will try several different uh, tactics to bring you down. I'll give you a few distractions. We talked about this a little bit last week. Our enemies want to get your eyes off the prize. And he'll distract you. He'll sidetrack you. He'll divert your attention. He'll make the things of this old world seem so appealing. Moses warned the people of Israel before they ever crossed the Jordan, when he was still alive, obviously, And he said this in Deuteronomy 18, when you enter the land the Lord your God is giving you, do not learn to imitate the detestable ways among the nations there. He's saying don't fall prey to the culture that you're gonna go into. Be very careful of the society in which it's, it's what's gonna be happening is you're gonna move in there and you're gonna be tempted. You're gonna see some of the things that they do and you're gonna be tempted to be that way. And Moses is saying, don't do it. See, the same thing happens to us so often. Oh, You think, well, all right, I'm not going to move from the excellent things to the detestable things just like that overnight. No, but the enemy will get us distracted so that we we turn from the most excellent things of God to the, you know, okay, to the semi-good, to it's probably all right. Jesus warned us. He said, enter the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. There are so many distractions in our world today, so many things that can occupy your attention. And the road is wide, Jesus said, and many people take that road. But those that keep their eye on the prize, those that that stay on that narrow road, it's not always easy, in fact, sometimes it's hard, but those are the ones that lead to life. Our enemy will try to distract you. If he doesn't distract you, he'll try to discourage you. Again, I've known plenty of people who see their personal Jerichos, the walls around them, and it's so huge and so big, and it seems so unbeatable, and they think, there's, oh my goodness, there's no way I can defeat it. It was really the lesson from week one. 
We need to shrink those things down to size because the enemy's gonna discourage us. So if he doesn't uh, distract you or discourage you, the third thing that he'll do, it's, it's the old, old lesson. He'll try, he'll, he'll, he'll choose the oldie but baddie, just flat out sin. Temptation is real. And if you think you're too old or too holy or too, you know, whatever to be tempted, you're too crazy because, because you're lying. And none of, all of us, all of us, all of us can be tempted. That's why when, when we're surrounded by such obstacles, why we need to have the right people in our camp. We need to have the right people saying, listen, you're, getting, you're flirting with evil. You're getting too close to the line. You're, you're compromising yourself. You don't need to hang around that person. That thing is bad for you. Don't do it. That's why we need good people around us. See, the enemy wants you to fall, and he wants you to crash and burn. And some of us, some of us in this room, we've been under attack. And you need to look square in the eye of the enemy when the temptations are high or when, when you think you're, you're, you're about to fall. And you need to say, not this time, you old snake. Not this time. Not with my family. Not with my kids. Not with my grandkids. Not with my spouse. Not this time. You're not getting your foothold in my family. You're not, you're not coming into my house. This is the house of the Lord. As for me and my house, we're serving the Lord. And not this time, you old snake. Not this time. That's what this day is about. It's saying we really do need each other. We're not called to be lone rangers. We're called to be team players. We're called to, to pray for one another and care for one another and be there for one another. That's, that's how we, we become vic- victorious. I've seen, it, I've seen it in our church the last couple of weeks of, of people stepping up and, and seeing a, a, a brother or sister in need and stepping up and, and trying to meet that need. Not because the church even said we need to do it. They just, they just knew that's what they need to do. And there's been some, we've had some beautiful examples of when, when some folks, just in the last couple of weeks, when folks were really down and people came alongside them and picked them, that's, that's the family. That's what we're supposed to do. See, we're in this together.